everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey. On to this week's show. Hey everyone, we have the incredibly inspiring Elizabeth of Elizabeth Saves. She is a doctor of higher education, leadership, and policy, and her and her husband have paid off $227,000 in 17 months. What? (laughs) That's incredible. Uh, Let's welcome Elizabeth to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Well, first off- We're so excited. Yes. Uh, Major kudos to you and your husband on that amazing debt-free journey and amazing accomplishment and for graduating with your doctorate two weeks ago. That's incredible. Thank Um, you. Of course. (laughs) Um, Before we dive into that, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your background and kind of what led you to this journey? Yeah. So um, I'm Elizabeth and I, uh, my husband, Adam, and I live in New York City. We moved there relatively recently, about six, seven months ago. Um, it feels like we, we picked the most inopportune time to move um, in the history of time, but that's okay. We are loving it. Um, and we, um, I've always been really interested in, in personal finance and money has been something that Um, has been interesting to me for quite some time. My husband uh, grew up a little bit differently and didn't um, necessarily talk about money with his family as much as I did growing up. And so we found that um, even before we got married, when we were first dating and got engaged, we started to have really candid and really serious conversations about money, things like debt. He had debt at the time. I didn't have any. Um, And I, you know, I guess I didn't really think a lot about um, being in debt because I hadn't been in debt really until I was an adult and and we bought a house. Um, And then things kind of uh, (laughs) spiraled pretty quickly. I think, you know, I I didn't have a credit card until I was like 23 years old. So um, once I got the credit card, I I didn't, in my mind, I wasn't making frivolous purchases, but we had just bought a house and um, it, it takes a lot to furnish a house. And so yes. I, I was swiping that credit card probably more than I should have been. I started uh, attending school for my doctorate where I took on student loans for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things just started to, we, we had to buy a new car, like things just started to kind of um, spiral pretty quickly. And we found ourselves in six figures worth of debt. And I remember having this moment when um, even before we got married, we were, I was at my, um, my friend, my travel agent's house getting ready to pay for our honeymoon. Um, and she showed me the final number of the balance that we owed. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I have enough credit on my credit card to be able to pay for that. Mm -hmm. And it was like a thousand dollars. I mean, it wasn't, it was a, a sizable amount of money, but it wasn't, you know, insurmountable for the financial place that we should have been in. And so that kind of started this slow trickle into um, learning more about how we could pay off debt and how we could, I came back from the honeymoon, like set on fire, ready to figure out what our new life without debt would look like. And three and a half years later, here we are. That's so great. So what do you think was the um, biggest motivator for you 
to get out of debt? Was it, was it that moment where you were like, wait, how can I not have a thousand dollars in my, how can I not have a thousand dollars left on my credit card? What is going on here? Was that kind of the wake up moment when you went to go pay the honeymoon bill? You know, I, it should have been, um, but it wasn't. Um, I, I think just that, kept going, huh? I just kept going. I think that it definitely slowed us down a little bit, which was mm-hmm. nice. Um, we were lucky enough to receive some money as, uh, you know, w- as wedding presents. And so mm-hmm. we did pay off, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of debt with our, with money that we had received as wedding gifts, which was nice. And I think seeing that kind of instant win was a good catalyst for us to really um, immerse ourselves into figuring out a plan and a strategy because up until then we would just kind of like helter skelter say oh we have an extra five hundred dollars like I guess we'll just I guess we'll put this towards a credit card or I guess we'll put this towards the car like we didn't really have a strategy um, so it wasn't necessarily that moment but um, shortly after we got married and right after I started school um, my dad unexpected who my dad who was a huge money role model for me like super um, frugal very salt of the earth like working blue collar person but but was very savvy with money um, he passed away very unexpectedly right after our wedding and so I think even more than that honeymoon moment and um, I, I think I was motivated by like shame about how my dad would feel about me living, um, living my life like this, which I don't think shame is a great motivator, but, um, I, I do think it was a moment where I realized that I wasn't living and my husband and I, we weren't living our lives in a way that reflected our values and in a way that reflected the people that we wanted to be. Um, and so it wasn't one moment, but it was kind of this series of small moments that, um, that led to us really taking control over what it was that we wanted our future to look like. And so what were some of those first steps that you took? Yeah. So I, um, I got on the internet and I just, I, I didn't really know anyone. I I'm 28 right now. Um, and I was 23 when we started really paying close attention. No, 23, 25. When we started paying really close attention to our finances And I realized that I didn't know a lot of people my age that were talking about money. Um, Mm -hmm. We were, we were all spending a lot of it, but none of us were really talking about, you know, what it was we made, how we afforded our lifestyles, if Mm -hmm. investing, like no one was talking about that. So my husband actually came home one day and he was telling me that he had heard about this debt payoff method called the debt snowball. Um, which is a a principle from um, a financial guru, Dave Ramsey. And it's kind of this idea that you pay off this, you list your debts in order from lowest to highest, and then you pay off the smallest debt. And then it's that small win philosophy where, you know, one debt's paid off and then you funnel all the money you were paying to that second biggest debt and and it's a snowball. So I started, I honestly started um, searching Instagram for the hashtag debt snowball. And I found thousands and thousands of posts where people my age um, and older, you know, older individuals in their 60s and people as young as 18, 19, that were just talking candidly, I mean, sharing numbers about how much debt they had and talking about how they were paying it off. So that's, that's really where it started. Like, like every good millennial story starts on the internet. Um, 
And then I just couldn't get enough. Like I was Googling and I was reading books and, and articles and, and it just, it all kind of came together to, to help inform what it was that we were going to do and um, how we were going to kind of figure out the mess that we had gotten ourselves into. And did you go ahead and set up your Instagram right away and start sharing on there? I did. So initially, <laughs> this is so funny. Initially, I had started that particular Instagram account um, as a way. I just started Weight Watchers at work. And it was like, again, the way that I found out like all of these Weight Watchers recipes was through Instagram. And so I had set it up as a way to hold myself accountable um, for doing Weight Watchers which it was great. There's a hugely supportive community. And then I realized that there was this kind of debt-free community that existed. And so the account originally was called the frugal diet. Um, ah. Yeah. And so it was all about, you know, me saving money and eating healthy. And, mm -hmm. um, and then it, it over time kind of morphed into um, a platform where I talk about personal finance and positivity and, and personal development. So um, but it, it was, I think I had only made like eight posts by the time that we found the debt-free community and it awesome. pretty quickly transformed. Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. That is amazing. So what kind of, after, you know, taking those first steps, I mean, $227,000 is a lot of money. How did you guys get there in 17 months? I mean, that seems like such a short time frame, you know, and it's such a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, I, <laughs> I am a person that when I have a plan, like I'm, I'm good to go. Um, getting it. the plan. Yeah. Get, I, I'm a huge planner. I'm like the Leslie Nope of my friend group. <laughs> I, if I can, if I can write it down and, and kind of wrap my brain around it, I generally am pretty good about seeing something through and, and being, um, just really headstrong and steadfast in reaching my goals, which is good because my husband is not like that at all. Like, which I think is the beauty of our relationship. He's yes. very much like, Oh, it'll be fine. Go with the flow. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what are steps one through seven? How are we going to do them? What's the time frame? Mm -hmm. So, so that balance was good for our journey, but we, um, the, the six figure number involved our house too. So okay. I do know that it's a little, um, some people don't include the cost of their house in their mortgage or in their total debt number. Others do. Yeah. Um, we did just because when we sold the house, we were, you know, it, that was a debt that was hanging over our heads. And then mm -hmm. when we sold it, it wasn't. So we, well, and that, that probably helped you pay off all your other debts. So yes, it absolutely did. So we had, I want to say um, we had, we had been working for about a year and then my husband, like really hard at paying off our debt. We had paid off our credit cards. We um, had made a pretty good pass at my husband's uh, student loans and we had paid mm -hmm. off a car. So we, were, we weren't very far away from being completely debt free. And then my husband got a great job opportunity in New York City. We lived in Tennessee previously. And so we listed our house and we got, I mean, we just got really, really lucky. We, we mm -hmm. bought our house three years prior for, um, you know, a, a $30,000 less than we ended up selling it for. Oh, and wow. so if we were with the money we made from the house sale, we were able to completely pay off my husband's student loans, mm -hmm. completely pay off my student loans. Um, and then, yeah, and it, it was a huge help. So I do recognize that kind of without that, it, it would have definitely taken us more time. Um, and we live in a weird situation now where because of my job, we live without rent or utility expenses in New York city. So, um, 
huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a major win. (laughs) So we totally recognize that the situation we're in is, um, is artificial in some ways for other people. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just not realistic for everyone, but it has serendipitously worked for us, which is just a gift. Well, and your situation that you're in right now isn't what led you to be frugal and to Mm -hmm. cut costs. And even when you would go out to eat, why don't you share (laughs) about how you would handle going, meeting friends for dining out? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, quite often I, I, I'm a very social person, so I would still want to go. Um, and so I would either eat beforehand um, or like anywhere we were going, if my friends were going to go out to dinner and then we were going to go, um, you know, to see a show or whatever it was afterwards, like I would pack my dinner and, you know, order a Diet Coke or whatever with them at the restaurant and then like eat my little peanut butter and jelly sandwich and my cheese stick in the car um, <laughs> Just because, and it it became like this running joke between me and my friends when one of us would be out, you know, at a bar or wherever dancing and they would say, you know, oh, I'm hungry. And someone would say, well, I'm sure Elizabeth has a cheese stick in her purse. Like, you know, she's, she's like our soccer mom, our team mom. (laughs) And it, I mean, that was just a huge way for me to still, I'm a big believer that your budget should allow you to say yes more than it makes you have to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that. Yeah, I think that too often people think people don't start budgeting because they they think that it's going to be restrictive and drastically Mm -hmm. change the way that they live their lives. And the reality is, is like in order to be sustainable, your budget should let you say yes. So in order for me to say yes to being with my friends and being social, like at that particular time in my life, that just meant that I had to pack my own dinner. And that, you know, I sometimes I would buy dinner out, but if right. I knew that I wanted to go out with my husband on like a date night later in the week, then I was eating peanut butter and jelly and that was fine. Because it's not about what you're eating. It's who you're with. Exactly. Yes. And exactly. the community around you. Yeah. I love that. And especially if that means you're moving forward in a really important area of your life where you want to make progress then that's, you know, you do have to sometimes make sacrifices. But I think that's such a great example of you didn't quit seeing your friends. You just quit eating what they were eating. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I, I think the other thing too, is just getting, um, that's actually been one of the, one of the challenges with New York city, but before quarantine even happened now it's, you know, completely insurmountable. Um, but in New York City, less so than in Tennessee, where I was before, like if we didn't have money or if we didn't have the budget to be able to go out, like we would just invite our friends to our house and, you know, we'd say everyone brings something like we'll just make dinner here. People in New York City don't do that for what I, I think it's because the space is so small, um, mm-hmm. which I totally understand. And so, you know, it's, it's required some more negotiating too, because quite often before everything that's going on in the world, our friends would say things like, oh, you know, come, come grab drinks with us or, you know, come out to dinner with us and then we'll go to a comedy show. And we've just had to, had to say like, oh, we'll meet you at the show. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk with each other, my husband and I beforehand, and we say, okay, we'll eat here, but we'll get a drink out. Like it's, it's just kind of constantly negotiating what's important to you in that moment. 
And, and what we would do when we were paying off our debt is like, if I didn't um, get dinner, but I like went and hung out with my friends while they were eating dinner, I would take the money that I would have spent on that dinner and just make like a, a tiny debt payment. So mm-hmm. I figured if my dinner would have cost $29, like I would have just made a $29 payment to my credit card bill instead. I love that because it also like opens the conversation with your friends too. If they're asking like, oh, how come you didn't eat out with us? Or, oh, you know, whatever it, you know, you can start that like, oh, well, I'm actually, you know, trying to become debt free. And this is just a way I could still, you know, spend time with you all, but also, you know, value what we're at, we are financially. And because those conversations very, like you mentioned before, very rarely come up. And so it almost gives that opportunity to open that conversation with your friends. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a, um, I think I like the rest of um, 20 to 30 something women in the world have a huge crush on Brene Brown. Yes. Um, and she talks all the time about like shame and vulnerability. And I really think that that is so, um, it's so well aligned with what my experience with money that people don't talk about money because it's taboo. But I think also there's a hesitation to talk about it because there's so much shame wrapped up in it. Like I could have, if I had internalized shame around my money, like I could have said, Oh, well, I'm, I'm just not going to go out because I don't want to have to explain that. And like, and she talks a lot about um, the story we tell ourselves, Right. Mm -hmm. And so like this, when you're, when you're operating from a mindset of shame, the story you tell yourself is, oh, my friends will think I'm, I'm cheap, or my friends will think that I'm silly for doing this, or they'll think less of me because I'm a smart woman and I have this much debt. But like in reality, your friends just want to see you and spend, mm-hmm. and spend time with you. So if you lose the shame I found and just like, you know, live authentically and live in your truth mm-hmm. in any aspect of your life, but specifically with money. Um, it, you're right. It opens the door for a conversation. And like, I've turned on so many of my friends to, to the debt-free journey. And I, you know, they've said like, Oh, we've been able to pay off our car, our credit card, because we didn't know anyone else our age was doing this. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. That's amazing. That's what I would, that was the, I was just going to ask if any of your friends have also caught the bug and, and taken your lead and followed your lead because that's, that's so exciting to hear and what a difference you're making in their lives. And that was definitely part of why we wanted to start this podcast is to make it easier to just have a conversation mm-hmm. about money and make mm-hmm. it not so taboo. So we love that you're making that conversation a part of you and your friends um, life too. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's hugely important, especially, um, you know, in, in your social life, but also in professional lives, you know, everyone, I feel like the statistics are so well known now, which is great about like women not asking for raises or women, um, navigating transparency and, and pay and wages. And I think that if we can just normalize specifically around women conversations about money at all levels, I love the way that you all focus on like saving, spending and investing, because I think that, investing is investing is like the Mars of the money world right now. Like people know how to talk about saving money. People know how to talk about spending money, but when it comes to investing, it's like, Oh, well, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not whatever enough to be able to know how to do that or know how to talk Mm -hmm. about that. It's so important. Yeah. And 
And even that, at least what we have found is that once you dive into it, it's really not as, it's like they make it sound so scary and big. And it's really not if you just start having a conversation about it. It's Mm -hmm. not as scary as believed to be. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and I found that the Robinhood app has really helped me just like dabble into investing. I mean, I'm not investing big numbers, but like, I mean, if I put a hundred dollars in there and I can get four stock or four shares of Peloton and look, I'm making $50 now. And yeah. so it's just been so fun to learn. And I, I, I recommend starting there just to kind of like start with $50, get a free stock. If you invite a friend, whatever it is, and, right. and just kind of play with it and just see how like, you know, I mean, it's a little, a lot of people say not to like watch it every day or whatever, but um, I don't know. I just think it's fun to learn how businesses run and how the stock market, you Mm -hmm. know, is. I agree with that, Angelica. And I think in that case, watching it every day isn't a negative. If you aren't watching it because you're going to take it out, you're just Mm -hmm. watching it to learn and to see the ups and downs because man, it has definitely... (laughs) It's been quite a show these last few months, hasn't it? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And and the other thing, I don't know that I don't know that I knew this until pretty recently, but the other thing that people can do is like you can just call a financial advisor and kind of interview them. Like if you the I'm a firm believer that that there are no dumb questions and especially mm-hmm. um, for people who have made this their livelihood, like they love, it's like working with research librarians, right? Like they feel underutilized and they love working with people and teaching them and giving them resources to learn how to do things. So I just, I mean, I called up a, a financial planner with one of my banking uh, institutions through Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I understand these things about investing, but like, help me understand the difference between, um, you know, a mutual fund and uh, an index. Uh, And and he, I mean, he spent an hour on the phone with me, like talking about the difference between all of these things, like investing in retirement accounts and Roth accounts. Like they love to, they love to educate people. And it was about, it was a hundred percent free. So that, there's no better way to kind of get knowledge by just asking questions. Yeah. Well, and through Instagram too. I mean, like you mentioned before that debt-free community. And I mean, I always think of like Amanda Holden from Dumpster Doggy, like she is killing it in the investing world and just helping people learn so much about it, especially women about like how to make that investment. And um, so, I mean, Instagram is also a great resource to find, you know, whoever it is that like inspires you to, to start on that journey as well. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have uh, next goals in place that you are, um, you know, looking forward to? Is it investing or is it, uh, um, you know, ownership in New York City? Or do you have a plan for how long you're going to be there? Or what's what's going on with your next steps? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we are we were putting a lot of our time and energy into investments before, um, before everything happened uh, with the virus. And so we are still investing. Like we, one of our big goals was to be able to max out our retirement contributions, which we're doing, um, which is great. My husband, we're, we're very lucky because both of us have relatively stable employment. Um, my husband works for the federal government and, 
that is an extremely, um, an extremely stable mm -hmm. industry. And where I am currently is, is fairly stable as long as, as far as higher education goes. Mm -hmm. So we are fortunate, but we do recognize that like that could change in an instant. And so our strategy now has switched more towards, um, not stockpiling is not the right word, but just saving as much money as we can. Um, because we don't have any expenses, you know, for rent or utilities. Um, and honestly, like I get a laundry stipend with my work, um, and they pay for my phone. So there are just a ton of expenses that we had previously that we don't anymore. So we're taking, um, all of our extra money and putting it into a high yield savings account for the foreseeable Amazing. future, just, just because no one kind of knows what the next big thing is. But, but our eventual goal is to um, invest and to eventually save up enough money for a down payment on a place in, in the city, which, you know, is, <laughs> is a lot. So it'll, yeah. it'll, it's a long-term goal. Um, right. But I think that that's the next step for us. That's exciting. Yeah. That's well, and it's a great investment. I mean, New York is always, I feel like the real estate is always. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> it's, it's unreal from, you know, rural. we lived in a suburb of Nashville, but still pretty rural. Like it's, just, yeah. it's just ridiculous <laughs> when we there. think about like what we had in Tennessee and what that would cost in New York city. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's just unreal. Yeah, I know. It, it's unfathomable. <laughs> it is. It is. The best piece of advice I ever got, for, it was actually from my mom. She, I was freaking out before we bought our first home and I was like, you know, it's so much money. $200,000 is so much money. And she was like, you just can't think of it as $200,000. It's not real. You think of it as the monthly payment. Like yeah. if it's a monthly payment you can afford, and think of it like as a thousand dollars a month. Don't think of it as two hundred thousand dollars because yeah. no one's asking you for two hundred thousand dollars. They're asking you for however much a month for thirty years. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that that's really great perspective. Yeah, the difference a lot more being, digestible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The difference being that in New York City, for uh, for a much smaller space, they're going to ask ten times more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Yeah, it's a journey for sure. <laughs> so what uh, what were some of the hardest and some of the easiest things along the way that, um, that you learned, that you did, that you said, I can't do? <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think one thing that we tried really early on that um, it became pretty clear to us that it just wasn't going to work for us. There's this term in the debt-free community on Instagram called gazelle intense. And it's this idea that, um, you know, a gazelle runs at full speed to whatever it is that they're chasing. And so the idea is you are like, you cut all expenses that are deemed unnecessary. So, you know, like no eating out, no coffee, no Netflix, no, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and we tried that really early on. Like I, I remember we were really fired up. Um, and one weekend I sold a whole bunch of our things on Facebook marketplace. Like I, we cut our cable off. Like we just did all of these really intense things. I don't think I, I don't think I had a coffee out for like six months. Um, and then 
you, we were, oh, and we give, we gave ourselves like allowances during um, the journey. And my allowance was something like $30 a month. Like it just wasn't sustainable. And so I think we realized pretty quickly that gazelle intensity wasn't going to work for us because like in the same way that you, or the same way that I think about um, healthy eating is like a sustainable lifestyle change we knew that from the beginning we had to create financial habits that were going to be sustainable for us. And it wasn't just about racing to get out of debt. It was about changing our mindset around money and changing our, um, our habits and, and really like setting um, standards and boundaries that we felt comfortable keeping up for the long term. And so that we knew right off the bat that that kind of intensity just wasn't like we wanted to be able to go to the movies, you know, yeah. and, and I follow a lot of people on Instagram who they more power to them. They just, I mean, they're running full speed towards their goal. And we just found that we were like light jog kind of people. And, and that was okay. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's really important, like a really important lesson because I mean, there's so many resources out there about financial literacy and best way to pay off all your debt. And like, I mean, it's information overload. And I, I mean, there's huge people like Dave Ramsey and Mm -hmm. Susie Orman and all these people who like claim these different ways of doing it. And I think it's so important to do the research, but to find what works best for you and your family, because like you said, it, knowing that and, and being able to form a different method of doing it that works best for you, you still got you there, you know? And I think we can get so wrapped around what everyone else says or who, what Brene Brown says or Rachel Hollis or all these amazing and like inspiring people. But like at the end of the day, like what's going to actually get it done, you know? And I think that's such a great lesson that you mentioned. Yeah. I, I think that, I think you're so right. I think that, um, it's also important and it's something that I, I'm a, I can be a bandwagon person. Like mm-hmm. I'm very much to the beat of my own drum, but also when I get energized about something, I want to consume all of the information I can about that thing and then start to like jump in and do it. Mm-hmm. And so, especially with, uh, with people like Dave Ramsey or like, you know, Rachel Hollis has this uh, five to thrive thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, we're all, I say we're all people who are interested in personal development are all really hungry to figure out like exactly what it is that these people are doing, which is great. But without like, I see people on these message boards online all the time that are like, you know, Oh, uh, I don't know that it's physically impossible for me to drink half my body weight in water, which is one of like Rachel Hollis's things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, then don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like you like, then don't do it. You know, say you're going to drink two water bottles. Like, I think that people forget that, that they're not robots. Like you, you have to kind of piece together the different things from different people that are going to work for your life. And, and half the time, these people have huge teams of other people helping them out and, for us normal people, like it's, it's just us and, you know, a, maybe a supportive partner or some kids if you have mm-hmm. them and a friendly dog and like you, you're doing it alone. And, and so I think that people forget that you can kind of like DIY your own approach to whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Absolutely. I think that DIYing your budget is super important because yeah. like you even said, Okay. So yeah, right out of the gate, y'all sold some stuff. And for six months, you didn't have a coffee out. 
but you know, it's give and take and it's mm-hmm. finding a balance and uh, especially to sustain it long term. I mean, it, and, and the fact that y'all are, it sounds like y'all are still doing that to a sense, even though you don't have to anymore. Now you're choosing to do it because you know you can and because you have goals for the future that you want to reach. So even now that you're out of debt, you're still you're still being frugal. You're still, I, I know your dad would be very proud of you. <laughs> do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're more living in alignment with what you want your values to be? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think that creating those good sustainable habits early on was helpful because it, it just made the alignment so much easier. So even now, one thing that um, my husband and I have loved doing is going to go see Broadway shows. That was like our thing. The minute we moved to the city, we started to, we found discount tickets and we would go to Sunday matinees again, cause they were the cheapest shows, but like it gave us the opportunity to, um, we, we value spending time together. So that, that was an alignment with our values. We value, you know, being, we're firm believers that wherever you are, you should really be a part of the place that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that allowed us to feel like a real connection to, to this new city that we had just moved to. And we both are supporters of the arts. And so it allowed us to, to support folks in that way. So even though it's not like a budget friendly activity, you know, if we were going to a play, we also like probably wouldn't go to lunch before or dinner after because we had chosen how we wanted to prioritize our money. Um, and so I think that it, it just makes things easier. Um, especially when you're not living or budgeting in a way that you think aligns with other people's expectations of what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Like really, if you're being authentic in your budget and in your financial habits, it just makes things easy. Mm -hmm. And that's been like the most freeing thing is just not having to, not having to second guess or, or think about it because you just know, like, is it authentic? Does it align with my values? If it doesn't, if the answer is no to either one of those questions, then we don't do it. Right. And it's, it's just super freeing. That's awesome. And what about you work with college students? Do you, uh, are you able to influence them in any way? What are some of the mistakes you see them making? Can you help them out at all? Or is it like, Oh, you're just cringing constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real challenge. Um, because, what I what I do in my nine to five job is um, is not finance related, and so but I do because I do live in residence alongside students. It gives me um, a different kind of opportunity to have relationships with them that are not strictly like between the hours of nine and five. And so we have conversations about money. Um, one thing that I think is really important. I, I work at the Juilliard School. Um, with artists. And so one thing I think that's really important for communities of artists to consider is um, finding multiple streams of income. That's been a conversation that um, I've been having with a lot of my students, especially in a gig economy. You know, if, if your whole income is wrapped up in being able to do live performances or going gig to gig, like you have to have other ways to be able to make money, especially in, in these kind of uncertain times that we're all living in. And so a lot of them will, and, and a lot of them do, which is really remarkable. A lot of them will 
do things like video editing or photography on the mm -hmm. side or, you know, they're just, they're hustlers. So, but, and they, I think that artists tend to talk about money a little bit more freely um, because they're, I, I think just culturally, it's like more acceptable to talk about money when you work gig kind of jobs like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see a lot of students making kind of similar financial mistake, mistakes that I did, especially like I cannot imagine being an 18 year old let loose in New York City. Like I, I just can't, I can't even imagine. I went to school in a tiny town and there was still so much financial temptation, like with going out with my friends and going to, you know, going to bars or going to go see movies. Like, I can't imagine what that looks like for students who are in this, like the greatest city in the world. I just, there's so much temptation to be reckless with money or to not prioritize money. And I think mm -hmm. that that's definitely a challenge. Oh, for sure. I bet. Especially with all the good, all the good shopping and like, you the know, food. dance, dance, yeah, the food and like dancers and, mm -hmm. and actors and musicians like have to be image conscious in a way, just as a result of their professional careers. And so, you know, things like wearing certain, certain dresses to performances or going to a cast party looking a certain way. Like, I think there's a, there's a different pressure that, um, that plays into finance and spending money that might not exist in other fields. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, even in social media too, I mean, yes. there's so much pressure, especially for millennials and now the younger generations to uphold a certain, make your Instagram feed look so beautiful or whatever it is. And it's just, it's and not sustainable. Show that this life that you're living, that's so exciting and, mm -hmm. and it's expensive. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's hugely expensive. Like, and, and, you know, I don't think that I, I think that it's important to know that even people who like, I know, I feel like I have a pretty good grip on my finances, but mm -hmm. I still fall prey to that, uh, like, um, that covetous mindset where I'm like, oh, well, that person has that thing. Like, I, I want that thing. It's, I mean, if marketing does its job, like everyone wants the things that other people have. Yeah. Um, that just means that someone is doing a really great job in their marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And like, I started, a, I started a YouTube channel fairly recently to talk about budgeting things. And before I even started, I was like, oh, well, I need a camera and I need a tripod and I need a ring light. And my husband's like, you have an iPhone. Like, <laughs> just why don't you, you know, record a couple videos on the iPhone and see if you like doing it. And if you do, mm -hmm. we'll get those other things. So I think there's just this mindset where in order to like, Oh, I'll start making videos when I have a fancy camera or I'll start yeah. saving money once I have bought a house or I'll start, you know, once I, once I've attained X, I'll start living the mm -hmm. life that I know I'm meant to live. And it's just not reasonable. <laughs> Or yeah. real. It's just or just start now, you know, yeah. why wait? And just, if you want to start a YouTube channel, use your iPhone. And then if hopefully you can monetize a YouTube video or channel and then get more money from it and then buy your fancy camera. So exactly. Yeah. I think those are like our little excuses too, that we just kind of, you know, tell ourselves. So then that way, like 
it's like almost like that fear of failure. Like, oh, I'll just wait until I get that camera and then, and then I'll, and then I'll work on it. And then it just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. So. Exactly. Well, and it's so easy. I mean, it's just the procrastination, the postponement of it, because it's like, there's so many people that you can, oh, well, I better read that book or that, listen to that video or watch that or, and it's like, you could just do that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's one out there. It's like that you do just, you know, good that you got on Instagram, investigated the debt-free community, but then you just started doing it. And then you realized yep. your baby steps. Oh, I didn't even know they were called baby steps or whatever. So, um, there's, yeah, at least you started, you picked a plan and you went with it and you just started doing it. Absolutely. That's what's super important, I think, is just to, you know, start trying to make the changes immediately. And, and it, you've done such a great job of that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So for someone who is in a lot of debt, who really wants to, you know, try that snowball or just whatever, I mean, maybe more just so get in that mindset. What's like, a, I guess, a resource that you would recommend or the first step that they should take? Yeah, I think, you know, to what we were just talking about, I think just start, like just, Mm -hmm. you don't have to know everything. You don't have to read everything. Um, I, I get bogged down by that myself sometimes feeling like I have to have all the information before I can get started. But actually one of my, um, one of my favorite books that I read for school is a leadership book and it's called act like a leader, think like a leader. And the premise is this idea that, um, people often feel like they have to have all of this information or they have to have, you know, certain experiences before they can really lead. And the idea that the author proposes is that like, just start to act like a leader, right? Like if you act like a leader, you, you are a leader and you try on different things and you figure out what works for you. Like you may say, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to lead the meeting in this way. And then after it's over, you say, oh, well, that didn't feel really authentic. Like, I guess I won't do that again. Or maybe I'll try something else next time. And I think it's the same with, with getting started with money and finances. Like, we, there are a lot of people who on Instagram spend forever debating whether or not they're going to do the debt snowball or the debt avalanche, you know, approach. And it really doesn't matter. Like, just, just yeah. start. And you'll figure out what works and what doesn't work. But the important thing is, I think, is just like wrapping your head around what it is that you want. Um, I think knowing your why is also really mm-hmm. important. So not just your why can't be because you want to be, you know, you want to be good financially. Like that's not a why. Our why was because we wanted to live in alignment with our values mm-hmm. and that we made a lot of changes throughout our entire life and our entire marriage and finance was just one part of that. And so I think knowing why it is that you want to pay off debt or why it is that you want to get your finances in order is also a really important way to start. Well, and wanting to live uh, in alignment with your values means you have to know what your values are. And that means you have to have a conversation and a discussion about that, which Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't even ask themselves that question. What are my values? What is important to me? And if you're not asking that, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then, you know, maybe, maybe even back up and start there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, they're all, they're all important questions, but I, I think it, I think the big thing through all of these is that it requires 
us to, I'm sorry, my dog is scratching at the door. (laughs) I think the big thing with this is that it requires us to have uncomfortable conversations either with Mm -hmm. ourselves or with others. Um, Money can be uncomfortable. Questions about values can be uncomfortable. But I think if, if we can figure out how to just own the discomfort and sit with it and know that it's, it's just a part of growth, then it makes it a little bit more bearable. Well, and that is the key marker of growth is being uncomfortable. You can stay where you're at and be comfortable, or you can get out of your comfort zone, be uncomfortable, face the fear and change, make a change. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully as more people like you are talking about it and as there's more podcasts like this and more Instagram accounts Mm -hmm. like yours and so many others, I think that it will open up the conversation to where it's Mm -hmm. more comfortable to talk about it. So there'll be more people like you talking about it with your friends, like obviously Angelica and I, you know, now that we've got this podcast, I know I find myself in conversations about it much more often than I did previously because it's a natural conversation Mm -hmm. starter. And so having an Instagram account like you that is focused on that, it, it makes it easier and more normal to talk about. So, which is only a plus. (laughs) Definitely. Well, this has been, absolutely. yeah, I love all of the messages that we've, I mean, that you have brought to this episode. It's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much again for all of your time. Uh, We always love to wrap up the episode with two questions. Um, The first question being, what is your definition of success? Yeah, I, I feel like I've said it as ad nauseum at this point, so I apologize for repeating, but it really does. This is like what grounds me in my own approach. I know that I'm successful when the things that I'm doing align with my purpose, um, when I'm living boldly, confidently, authentically in a way that represents what it is I value. Like that to me is the ultimate form of success. And I think the the other big thing is just not being afraid to fail. Um, I think if you're afraid to fail, you just, you never start. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to be successful is to embrace failure and know that you're going to fail with money and know that you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to fail and it's okay. It's just figuring out how the failure informs what it is you do next, I think is, is the marker of, of being successful. And once you fail, it doesn't mean, okay, well, forget it. We're not going to be debt free. It means you get back on, you just, okay, so I splurged on this or, you know, whatever your failure was, and then you get back on track and you just get back at it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's just a moment. It's not the story. I think that people think that, that when you fail, that's like the whole thing. And failure is, is just a page and the, there are still many pages left in the book. Yes. Oh, I love that. And then also we always ask, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? That's a really good question. Um, I think alignment, um, sustainable, and transparency would be my three words love those so good oh god i think i love yeah i think a couple of those we've never even had before which i love those i love that you asked this question i think that 
I think it's so interesting to hear other people's responses mm -hmm. because again, like going back to values, like it just shows what I think the values kind of creep into people's three words and how they conceptualize or wrap yes. their head around money. So like the, the acad academic nerd in me is so fascinated <laughs> by people's answers to these questions. So I love that you asked this. Well, and we've got, we, um, we have a sum up, uh, we have two episodes that sum up just the two questions that we asked because we were, we were the same way. We love these two questions and, you know, with them coming at the end, we didn't want anybody missing them. So definitely if you haven't heard those episodes, guys, we'll link them in the show notes, but be sure and go check those out. But we love your answers. They were so great. All of your information has mm -hmm. been so helpful and so encouraging to anyone that's starting out on that journey and, um, it's, it's, uh, it can be a scary, scary road to start down. We're just, we're just going to run with that whole journey and road there, <laughs> but it can be. So I love scary. metaphors. <laughs> yes. We're running with it today, but to start down that road can be so, you know, daunting. It can look like such a huge trip that it's like, Oh, should we even take the trip? Yes. Take the trip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> get on the road, get in the car, take the journey. <laughs> it's so worth it. It's, it's such a good, it's such a good ride. And getting there is, is just as much fun uh, as actually being there. So I definitely yes. think it's, it's worth it. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I know that a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from this. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Well, and we'd love if you could share um, where everyone can find you on the internet. Um, we know you have a brand new blog out um, as well as your, all, your amazing Instagram. So why don't you share that? Yes. So my blog um, and my website, those will be available at Elizabeth Scott Francis. Francis with an I, F-R-A-N-C-I-S dot com. Um, and on Instagram, I am at Elizabeth Saves. And you'll have your blog linked from your Instagram too. So if they can yep. find you at Elizabeth Saves, then they can find Elizabeth Scott Francis dot com. Absolutely. So, and we'll great. have it linked too in our show notes. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Elizabeth. You're amazing and stay safe out there in New York. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have any questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take one small and actionable step towards your financial goals today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And we'll see you next Money Monday.